Thanks for tuning in today. It's Kevin with Bison Moon Group. I'm sitting here today with Still Street, a soccer performing academy. Uh, can you introduce yourself a little more? Yes. Uh, hi, my name is Musa Yusuf. I am the co-founder of Still Street. Um, we do anything soccer-related in Edmonton. We are based out of Edmonton, but we go all around the country doing soccer-based stuff. So street soccer freestyle, um, training, coaching, uh, events, shows, all of the stuff that we do. Um, yeah, so that's us. Do you have a business plan written out for it? Um, so I started out writing the business plan. Uh, halfway through, I decided that I won't continue th with the business plan just because I do a lot of it uh, based out of, of passion and how I love the game. Uh, and the time I spend on it is, you know, my free hours and on weekends. So I thought right now, you know, until we get to a certain level, um, I won't continue with the business plan. Uh, so, yeah. You have a business partner uh, in this. What uh, is his name? Oh, my business partner's name is Eshindal Chand, also known as Esh. He is uh, the co-founder of Still Street. We do all of our programs together and the coaching stuff. Good stuff. What do you think is the biggest thing about the modern soccer now that differentiates you from uh, the other way things are played? Uh, so modern soccer, uh, when you go down from the professional level, it is... Uh, the concept of run, pass, you know, shoot and hustle, uh, which is not a lot of fun because uh, having a coach once, I remember being trained that way and it was probably the worst experience soccer related that I had. So um, what we try to do is get the kids to think a bit more, to be creative, use their imagination. And that's why we try to, uh, that's why we coach our type of programs. And it's street soccer, which is using skills and your creative creativity, seeing what you typically would not see on, on a soccer pitch. No, that's good. What do you see the biggest problem with the modern soccer is nowadays in Canada? So in Canada, um, the game has been, well, the game has been the same for years now. Uh, Canada hasn't made it to the World Cup uh, forever, uh, and they're not making it to this 20, 2018 World Cup, and hopefully we can compete to make it for the next one. Uh, a lot of the challenges that I see is that, you know, the, Canada hasn't learned from their mistake, where which is the way soccer is being taught in the country. Um, it's not taken seriously. Um, it's uh, you know it's they they're hiring coaches and people to run these uh, these these academies for the kids that either have basic ex soccer experience or have not tried anything different than what they've been doing for the past like 20 30 years and even without seeing any results uh from what they've been doing they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again uh i hope they learned from they would learn from uh european countries south american african countries where you know kids just go out and play there's a lot of empty fields here kids don't get the opportunity to play uh indoor a lot uh, there's no venues for them to, to just play pickup soccer. Uh, so that's been an issue. And hopefully, you know, bit by bit, we tr we're trying to, to get that mentality change and one day hopefully have Canada soccer change their structure. In the way of your business, how do you get your word out for advertising the most? Um, so for advertising, I believe that um, if people see uh, what you're capable of or what you're doing, uh, there will be some type of response. It doesn't matter if uh, you get 10 million people, 
you know, seeing that or 10 people as long as it's quality and, uh, you know, it's something that people can get something from, uh, you know, it, that to me, that's a success. So what I do usually is any event we go to, any soccer game that we play, uh, any f- f- tournaments we go into shows, uh, we record every single thing. All our coaching programs are recorded uh, and we post videos for um, f- for every everything. So I post about, I'd say, daily, uh, usually on Instagram. On Facebook, uh, three times a week, um, and you know, usually I, I don't put a lot of money into the advertising uh, part part of it. We're usually, you know, uh, using the general methods of, of uh, you know, the tactics to use on Instagram or Facebook has usually helped. So anything we're doing locally, uh, we have a lot of interest, and in any program that we decide to to have running, we usually outsell like really really quick. So it's been it's been good. What type of competition do you have? Are there other people running similar programs? Uh, there's Yeah, there's a lot of other people running similar programs. I wouldn't say similar uh, because what we do, uh, I, I don't think anyone else could do um, as coaches or as players. So, But in the soccer, in that soccer genre where you have, you know, companies or organizations that are, you know, serious about the game and trying to change the way players think of the game there's there's a few of those uh, i have two friends that that run their own programs uh one is uh, fc football academy uh amazing type of programming that they do with their kids uh another friend of mine is conde who does uh, btb soccer academy um and has been doing soccer for a while and he's probably one of the best coaches i've seen um so as long as we have people uh, locals that are thinking about changing the game for the kids and are not worried about uh you know just making money off of the families uh you know i don't see it as competition i see it as uh us helping our youth come up uh, in a positive manner do you think the modern 2018 kind of child that's 12 years old now is faced with different things that kids growing up in another country wouldn't deal with uh yes um there's there's different types of pressures. Um, I I I was I was born in Kenya. I came here when I was one, left when I was eight, uh, and then I was gone for twelve years. Uh, half of that in Somalia, half of that in Pakistan. So the pressures uh, on kids in Somalia, um, you know, it's it's very different. But you you would have you know parents or families just struggling to get their kids in school and paying for for school and paying for their basic needs um the kids would uh try to help out the family and uh you know working with mom or working with dad just you know supporting their family so those were the pressures on them and uh some of the kids didn't have real childhoods where they were able to just go out and play or you know uh, go to anything entertaining or anything like that we're here um, it's a bit different where, you know, thankfully kids are not in, the, in those type of situations. They generally do have um, a childhood and, you know, uh, you know, people and, uh, you know, they have a support system usually within the communities. So um, here it's a little bit different. Um, you have the kids uh, that grow up and um, they put pressure on themselves or parents put pressure on them uh, based off of their experiences of other kids their age. Um, and see what other kids are doing, or you know, uh, you know, f- or you know, t- famous kids in the world are up to, and p- the parents want their kid to be at that level really quick. 
so they put a lot of pressure on the kids on that. In conversation on the side, you and I were talking the differences between Canada and Somalia. Can you go into some of them? Um, yeah. Uh, when I was I was there, uh, I was in Somalia for six years. Uh, four of those years, I lived in northern Somalia, which was pretty peaceful uh, at the time. And uh, two years, I lived in the south of the country, uh, which was not as peaceful at that time. Um, it was so over there. There was a. Uh, there was a lot of different situations. There would be the good times where, you know, every nothing was really happening, any there was no fighting going on or anything like that. And then there were the bad times where, uh, randomly out of nowhere, you know, things would start up, and you have, uh, you've had a mix of, you know, sometimes you'll see kids in those situations where, ki- you know, kids are the ones uh, that have the weapons and, uh, sh- you know, shooting at other people or killing people, and it was just. Uh, it was not an, it was not you know something that was usual it was here and there but um you'd have kids grow up there grow up in those type of situations uh you'd have poverty uh in other families you'd have you know the general which was you know sending your kids to school kids come back you know they go play soccer on the beach or something like that so it was a mix of of all sorts of uh all sorts of level within the society that you'll see that you would have seen where here it's a bit different in the way where you know the norm is you know go to public school you know uh, once school is finished you might have extracurricular activities on the side whether it's joining a, a sport or you know just basically taking care of your homework or watching a movie or anything like that so uh life life is is very much different on both sides yeah you'd even mentioned how even finding a soccer ball in Somalia was something uh, challenging to do. And I honestly think here in Canada, almost every kid has a ball. And if he doesn't have a ball, can ask one or two other kids and they'll have a ball. Yeah. Um, uh, back home, if in every neighborhood, you would have one kid with a ball. And because of the way that, you know, parents saw soccer, it was like, yeah, go have fun for a few, you know, for a few hours, but, you know, it's not, don't take it too seriously. So if a ball would drop in somebody's house, they would put a knife through it. <laughs> it was just the norm. So everybody knew, you know, everybody watched that soccer ball, protect it with your life. Uh, that was the general rule for every kid in the neighborhood. So um, every once in a while when that ball goes missing or somebody puts a knife through it, it was like, oh, now we have to make our own until we get the next one. Um, so we would, like, everybody would gather socks from their house and, bring it together, elastic bands and plastic bags and make a soccer ball out of it and have that until we got another one from, you know, one of the kids from the neighborhood's parents. And that was the norm. But here it's a bit different where, yeah, like you, you have kids that have like four or five soccer balls or a wall of soccer balls and soccer shoes. Where there, they were, we never had soccer shoes. We were either playing with slippers or barefoot, uh, which I would honestly say is more fun than playing with shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your style of soccer here is different than the kick and run that we're typically used to. It's more actual footwork and skills, um, something that can be played inside and outside. What do you find is your busiest time of year? Uh, yeah, so the type of soccer that we encourage is first is creativity and using your imagination. So that can be used in any type of uh, any type of situation, outdoor, indoor, one v one to you know the highest game that you play um but when it comes to demonstrating uh the concept 
of using your imagination or you know you know using body feints using a certain skill it's it's easier to showcase that on on a flat surface which would be indoor so uh the busiest time of the year for us is winter time which we have a lot of here in, in edmonton so uh, we do we run programs we run soccer sessions for kids uh drop in pick up soccer uh our own coaching programs we do uh programs in beaumont camros Edmonton we travel for tournaments uh this summer we actually won the uh Neymar Junior uh five aside tournament in Edmonton that had 85 teams uh so we joined as a team and uh we won that tournament and then Red Bull flew us to Vancouver to compete in the Canadian Nationals uh which we lost in uh we got third place um yesterday we were in Olds uh Alberta doing uh doing a futsal tournament there so anything soccer like we travel around for indoor outdoor we play all levels but when it comes to showing the kids or showcasing the skill set that you can use um it's pretty it's easier to show that to show that on a flat surface which usually is uh inside a gym or a rec center uh during the winter time no that sounds good what would you say is a financial risk that you have uh, so personally speaking, there is like, I, I wouldn't say there is a financial risk. Um, a lot of the times, uh, if we are doing a free program, uh, I, you know, I, I usually pay for the, for the location, uh, as long as we can get kids, uh, you know, using their skills or whatever, like, I don't mind. It's not that big a deal for me. Um, sometimes we do programs where we do get, uh, families to pay for and with those ones like you know it's it's good that you have a little bit extra money to use for whether it's upcoming flyers or t-shirts you want to print out for for the kids or an event that's coming up where you want to buy this or that for the, for it um but personally speaking uh, because of the way it's structured and that it's something that I do on the side on evenings and weekends that I work on um there's no financial risk for me have you ever tried to find funding uh from an outside sources um the only time that we we tried that was when uh i decided that it was uh that we were going to have a pickup soccer program for kids uh tuesday pickups uh pickup soccer two hours uh a week um so what we did was uh because we wanted to make it a free program that kids could just come and play without the restriction of you know parents or coaches telling them what to do and how to do things and we wanted for them to just use their imagination just like we talked about in street soccer um uh, we thought that it might be best to have to, to create the program and make it free uh so everyone can be involved it doesn't matter if you know you, a parent could pay for this type of program or this type of program but we have a lot of kids in the city that are not on soccer teams soccer teams that are amazing at soccer so we wanted to introduce the like all these kids and for them to see each other and see each other play and feed off each other's energy and uh get fired up when they lose and try to win and uh so we we started looking for uh sponsors to to pay for basically uh the pennies uh you know you know some uh some type of awards that we wanted to give out once a month uh banners and uh advertisement and all of that kind of stuff. So, I uh, looked around a lot, uh, created uh, cr created brochures for it, and uh, knocked on doors. And uh, finally, we got a uh, uh, play more tables and games uh, based out of Edmonton. They have a new location in Calgary and Red Deer as well. Um, they helped us out and said, uh, if it's a program for kids that 
it's a free program that you guys are trying to get kids involved like and it's for youth sports uh we'd be happy to be involved and they they sponsor that program for us cool i appreciate that it's amazing yeah how can bison moon group reach the moon podcast uh how help you reach the moon uh so as i said personally with, with the way i started this it was something that we were doing on a volunteer basis uh for for a few years three years we just volunteered when it comes to teams we would go and do sessions for them we would uh we volunteered with the african center and did friday nights uh for a year with them uh th three hours every friday um then when i decided okay this is something that we can turn into a business uh two years ago uh i started creating a business plan uh halfway through i stopped and thought you know it's something i'm doing because i'm passionate about it when i get to a point where i think this is gonna like I need uh, more footwork or I need more uh, more to go into this, uh, that's when I'll continue with the business plan and take the steps necessary. I honestly feel like 2018, we are heading in that direction. Um, so because of that, uh, I would love any type of help when it comes to the business side of things. Uh, I try to learn everything I can every day. Uh, right so far, I've taught myself graphic designing, video editing, marketing, advertising of the whole lot um and when it comes to the business side i still try to you know teach myself but with so much information out there and the all the how to do's it would be nice to have uh talk to somebody with that background or that experience to to get some tips and ideas no i appreciate you reaching out like that what's on your to-do list what time of day does your day start and what do you got planned in the next few days uh, so my typical day, I wake up around 6, uh, get ready for work, uh, go to work, come out around 5, uh, work with the Boys and Girls Club, uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters as a school-based facilitator. Um, so after 5, come home, get ready, I go to the gym, I practice, I have to practice for about an hour a day. Uh, I always believe that if I'm going to be coaching kids and telling them, this is how you do things. I have to be at the top of my game. I can't just be talking about it. I have to set an example. So I practice every day, which I've been doing uh, for the past, let's say, 12 years now. Um, I always find, uh, you know, an hour here or there to, to train. Um, and then I'll come home around 7 p.m., 8 p.m. I'll, I'll sit on the computer and start working till about 1 or 2 a.m. typically every day. Uh so a lot of that is either graphic designing or planning uh, new programs or video editing, which takes a lot of my time right now. And I'm trying to learn new methods to make that faster. Um, so those are that's generally my typical day. Uh, weekends is I love weekends the most right now because I can start early and because I don't have work on those days, I could work throughout the whole day. Um, uh, in the upcoming days, right, yesterday we had a futsal tournament in Olds, Alberta uh, that we, we won. We recorded the whole thing. Um, so I have to go through those videos uh, and start editing to put out content to, you know, our our followers on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube to just show them, you know, we don't just talk about, you know, using your imagination or using skills to get out of tight situations, but we also do these things in games. Um, and that more than talking about it, that will inspire others to to give it a try or to start looking into it. And if if we can do that for, for, for the kids, that's that's all we're here for. So for the next two, three days, that's what I'm going to be working on. Um, well, I'm also working on a program that's coming up in January that registration is completely full right now. 
Uh, it's a 10-week program of, uh, of soccer, which would be uh, using your imagination uh, is, is the concept around it. It's called Unlock Your Genius. Um, that's the program that I'm slowly, you know, gathering all the equipment and all the stuff that I need uh, until the program starts. Uh, the other thing that I'm also working on is uh, setting up a tournament for the kids in March. Uh, that is happening in Olds. Yesterday, I spoke with some of the guys running our tournament, the adult tournament, and they said they're working on a youth tournament, so hopefully we can get these kids out that I've been working with and get them playing in a tournament with other kids their age and you know, get them to try these things that we're, we're talking about. Is there anything that you're doing for yourself to better your education or to set yourself up different than others, somebody else? Uh, so I like to... Uh, I like to learn um, like different ways of doing the same thing. So uh, whether that's basic, you know, video editing, I would try to learn two different softwares to just see which one works better for me or my style. Um, right now with the coaching, uh, like for, from, from Edmonton, I took, uh, what was it called? So Soccer for Life uh, coaching course. And it was a very basic coaching course, but seeing what it was, it was uh, tactics about, you know, you know, four, four, two, and th like those kind of tactics, which wasn't very helpful to anyone that I like from what I saw, like coaching kids. Um, so I decided to look around and see if I could take any coaching courses. Um, I found some online coaching courses. I took one called the science of training young athletes, uh, in the summer. Uh, they came out with a part two a few months ago. So I'm going to do that, start that in the new year. Uh, and that generally it's a course that talks about the mindset and the age that, uh, that's best to train kids in what. So you have, they'll say like uh, between the ages of 10 to 12 for boys is the best to train them physically or mentally. It's better to train them and that's when they can comprehend the most. So when it comes to training athletes, young athletes, um, I'm learning those things that's like the, that will that will help me in my coaching courses when I see the different ages and the different level that, of kids that we have. No, that's completely awesome. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Um, yeah, so one of the things is uh, the general concept of soccer in the country that uh, needs to change. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've talked about it a lot, but it's one of those things where yeah, going against uh, Canada soccer is not easy. Uh, Canada hasn't gone to any World Cups, and it doesn't seem... Uh, that that's it's that's going to change if nothing changes uh, from the high up um, you know we we need kids playing soccer more we need kids um, you know playing on the streets we need kids uh, having access to facilities right now in the city of Edmonton if you try to have um, if you try to create space for kids to play um, school gymnasiums uh, they'll tell you that you have to go through the city of Edmonton where you have to go to you know 10 different loopholes to to rent gym and then they'll tell you you can't advertise it to anyone and then they'll tell you so it's it, like there's so many restrictions um in this area where you know all these ten, tennis courts in the city that are like people barely use need to be transformed into you know street soccer fields for kids where kids could just 
you know, get out of their house and go and play pickup soccer with other kids. And that's how it is in Europe, in South America, in Africa, Asia, everywhere in the world you go, uh, you'll see kids just playing without being told to play. Where here, it's like, um, it's an it's, it's a mission. Mom and dad have to find, look at their schedule to see if their kid could go to Tuesday or Thursday night soccer. Um, if, if their schedule allows it, then they'll take them. If not, then that kid is screwed. He, there's no soccer for him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So... Um, we need to have more kids need to have more access uh, to s soccer facilities, indoor, outdoor. All of that needs to be taken care of. And Canada soccer has not been doing their job. I don't know what they've been up to, but they need to change all of that from the high up. If Canada wants to go to the World Cup in any coming uh, in the coming years or change the face of soccer in the country, the U.S. is our neighbors. They missed out on this World Cup and everyone went crazy and for Canada, it was just like we missed the World Cup. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, and it's that we have to change the mentality. And unless we get, you know, f you know, ten-year-olds and twelve-year-olds running around saying, you know, I'm going to represent my country, or I'm going to play for Canada, or I'm going to play pro, you know, it's not going to happen. Kids right now they play just for the sake of playing. You have kids that play fifteen different sports. Like I've seen a kid that was really, really good in soccer, amazing, and believe that. If more time was spent with him um, in directing him, uh, like that kid could turn professional. But he plays Mondays and Fridays. He plays soccer. Every other day he plays basketball. He plays volleyball. He plays uh, tennis. He plays this. He plays that. Where every other place in the world you go, you'll see a kid. They, f they figure out that a kid is good in something, and they'll help him reach the highest level of that. Where you know a kid here plays twenty different sports. So that's it's. It's not bad or anything, but um, it's kind of it's it's one of those things that really need to change if if we want to get anywhere in in soccer. So yeah, that's one thing that I wanted to to touch on. No, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today. I 100% do agree with you. There are way too many empty fields, um, especially here in Edmonton. But thanks for sitting down. My name is Kevin from Reach the Moon Podcast. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, so uh, we're on uh, Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on YouTube, we have our website, um, so Instagram, uh, sorry, Facebook and YouTube, it's still street, all one word, um, on uh, Instagram, it is still street underscore, um, our website is www.stillstreet.ca, um, if you have any questions regarding our programs or where we do things, uh, you can shoot us an email, a message, a direct message, doesn't matter. Um, all, you'll get a response within the hour. Um, so yeah, that's how to get a hold of us.